Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Aaron Carey of Sparking Wholeness and Lee Richardson from the Brain Performance Center. And we're having a roundtable discussion today where we are talking about workplace wellness. And what does that mean? Because many of us are transitioning from one workplace into another or we're hybridizing which is what i'm doing and sometimes i'm in an office sometimes in home and that changes every week and i also want to throw in some healthy habits to navigate these changes because i don't think i'm the only one popping back and forth between these things so it's constant change and it's a new workflow for me and for probably the rest of the world. Lee, are you seeing the same thing in your business practice at the Brain Performance Center? Actually, Sandra, I am. What I'm seeing is a lot of fear around returning to the workplace. It took us all a while to get comfortable, you know, to figure out who's going to work out of what closet. And now <laughs> that the kids are back in school, that that's made it easier. But we're afraid. I mean, I have clients tell me I'm afraid to go back to work. I'm afraid that I'm going to, the commute is horrible. I'm not going to be able to have dinner with my kids anymore. You know, I'm afraid the people, I don't know if the people that are work have had vaccinations. I don't know what their autoimmune situation is. And you know what? There's all these people I didn't like to start with. And I haven't <laughs> seen them. I haven't seen them in over 18 months. And I didn't like them before. I, I don't want to be nice to them. And I think that's something that, you know, when you think about returning to work, it's more than just getting the job done and the logistics of how you get there. It's the social interactions. And a lot of people have forgotten how to play nice. Mm, absolutely. Erin, what are you seeing in your part of the world with, with body health and nutrition and all these things? What are you seeing? Yeah, I think we're all just incredibly stressed. Stress is at an all-time high. And of course, it plays a role in the workplace. And I think about, you know, I'm a former teacher. I think about my teacher friends who are struggling. Um, I know in Texas, for sure, I recently saw a map about all of the different school districts who are missing superintendents right now, who are looking for superintendents mm. because they have shortages of teachers and now superintendents are out and things are just crazy. And I think about our nurses, the people in the medical field. Um, you know, I, I have clients who have family members in the medical field or who are in the medical field and the stress has taken a tremendous toll on them, regardless of, you know, what part of the world I'm in, which is definitely different here in East Texas <laughs> than it is in other parts of the United States. But that stress impact is huge. And then you top it off something that has really been apparent to me is people seem to be just reactionary and mm. trigger happy when it comes to social media posts and everybody is outraged over everything and everybody wants a platform and mm. everybody wants to make their point, whether it's a Disney movie, which I've recently oh, yeah, seen a lot I of saw that. Oh my goodness. It's like, everybody has an issue with everything. It's exhausting for me. Honestly, like I, I'm, I feel exhausted by everybody else's exhaustion. Right. And so how do we deal with that? What do we do? Because we're all feeling it. And so that's really when, when I think of workplace wellness, I think about how are we all working together when individually we are affected by these real life stressors in very real ways, but in very different ways. Well, and we're not. 
that's what I'm going to tell you. I, I teach a couple fitness classes that are heavily populated by police and fire. And there is a schism in those brotherhoods or sisterhoods of you didn't want to get vaccinated. You stayed out of work. You got sick and you were out longer because you didn't get vaccinated. I got vaccinated. I was only out a couple days. You know, there's a huge thing with our first responders going on that that's kind of not really promoted in the media, not really super talked about, but it's happening in the ranks. And I would not be surprised if it's happening in our military ranks. I just haven't been around, you know, those groups of people lately to, to report back accurately. But in the, the areas where people are required to work for teams, you have to be a team as fire, you have to be team as paramedics, you have to be team in emergency rooms, and you have to be team in police. These are team occupations. Yeah, we build teamwork at companies and teamwork is important, but not at the life and death level of our first responders. So if we have people coming back to work or or mixing in together with the guy that stood up because he didn't want to get vaccinated or the guy that shot his mouth off about why everyone should be vaccinated and shut up and get back to work. We've got this whole history coming forward with workplace wellness because we always think workplace oh it's an office what if your workplace is an ambulance what if your workplace is a firehouse workplace returning they've all been working but there's all these things festering under the the systems that we have in place and we see this with the truck drivers outside of of um was it toronto montreal ottawa whatever canadian Canada. city yeah yeah and and that's just an outward expression of this resentment this anger this fear and frustration because if you didn't get vaccinated and i had to work double time or i got vaccinated and i had to cover for you you know whatever side you're on it causes conflict and that's still simmering memories last a long time and feelings were hurt over the vax anti-vax point of view in the workplace and it affects teamwork and it affects teamwork even more in required occupations that have to have teamwork to be effective well and now we're going through you know the great resignation so many people are just saying, I'm not going back to work. Right. And, or they're saying, you know what? I can, I have found things I can do on my own. And I've heard teachers say, I've found some stuff I can do online and I can make just as much money doing it there. And I don't have to deal with the stress and the pressure. And I think that all of us, we've in the last six months, we've given ourselves this freedom to say, do we want to go back to work? Right. And and we've acknowledged after what we've been through with the pandemic, I don't know about you, but I don't have to do anything. Right. Everything I do, I choose to do. And, and I think that, that that factors into that workplace wellness. So many people, I have clients that, that do suffer from anxiety. And they'll say, you know, every time it comes up and I have to go on a new team, I know nobody wants me on the team. They know I get overwhelmed. Mm. And I think that workplace wellness, employers and organizations have a responsibility that they need to step up and they need to acknowledge that it's okay to not be okay mentally. Yes. If, if you're not okay physically, oh my gosh, go to the doctor. If you need surgery, 
get that surgery. If you need physical therapy, get it. But if you wake up and you're so overwhelmed that you just can't, you can't show up, or you wake up and you're just so fatigued that you can't get out of bed, nobody says that's okay. You know, what they say is either I don't want to talk about it or come on, man, come on, lady, power through, do this for me. And I think that a big key component of, of workplace wellness is acknowledging that mental health, brain health is just as important as physical health. Well, and I just want to jump in here because I, I, I got rid of clients this year because of the pandemic that I don't want to deal with because of my mental health. I think it goes both ways. We want to acknowledge the, you know, the mental health needs of others, but we also need to acknowledge the right to protect our mental health because I work in technology and I've got some people who are really, truly awful people to work with. They might be great people. They might be great family members. They might have done this for the Girl Scouts, that for the Boy Scouts, and won a whole wall full of awards. But for my mental health, if I work for these two chowderheads, I will leave feeling tired, frustrated, angry, takes me away from being the parent I want to be, and it takes away my productivity. Prior to COVID, I would just put them in the, what I call the nuisance fee category. The more you piss me off, the more your bill goes up. And so that's how I used to deal with it. Cause in tech, who knows what you're doing anyway. But so now though, I recognize the need to protect my own mental health and say, there is a limit of what I will do. And there's no money in the world big enough to pay me to be abused by somebody that doesn't understand technology, just like the teachers who say, or the principal that says, there's no amount of money that will allow me to get beaten up by these out of control parents. I mean, I think those limits, Lee, are being tested on both sides. I'm gonna protect my mental health, but I'm also gonna recognize the people's right to not be judged by their mental health issues and the things they do to protect their mental health. Yeah, and, and I think, I mean, on both, I understand those things on both sides. Number one, we made a huge transition because of my husband's mental health, because he needed to have a different job in order to, otherwise it, it was, it was about to go downhill fast. Right. And so, yeah, so his, all his time energy, he had physical illnesses happening due to a stressful job situation due to a work environment that was toxic. And so we had to make a change. And I also know just as a sufferer, you know, I, I've been suffering from mental health issues since I was nine years old and I've been able to maintain and, and find ways to be resilient in spite of that for the last decade plus some, maybe, maybe the last 13 years. Um, but I have to treat my mental health like it is my physical health. Like what Lee was saying, it's like my mental health is number one. My mental health is my physical health. So I have a capacity that I work towards. And when I feel that I've reached capacity, I need to take care of myself. Right. I call it active monitoring. You know, it's, it's just like with any other physical health condition. If I feel like I'm doing too much, I need to take a break. I need to take some time. And I think we're all in this place because so many of us are struggling from mental health issues or from internal stressors or from work stressors or whatever, whatever it is, we all have to learn what that capacity is and where we need to take breaks. But 
but employers really also need to be aware of, of what people are going through, because I am seeing based on my husband's experience, there are a lot of people out there, out there who are just plowing ahead and let's just keep going at the expense of everybody who is working with them. And it's, there's a lot going on right now. And it's real interesting to observe for sure. I love that term you used, active monitoring, because when I when I talk with managers and supervisors about how they can what they can do to help their employees return back to the the workforce, because so many of them don't want to come back, right. and it's it's a real struggle. How do I how do I get people to to want to come back? And I think if they pay pay attention and actively monitor what's going on in the environment, what can you change? What can, what, how can you put, give them a reason to want to come back to work on Fridays? Do you provide foosball Friday? Um, You know, just some, put some fun in there. And because people, you know, without everybody coming in for some period of time, your culture will be impacted. Oh, sure. You won't have one. (laughs) No, you won't. And it, because it goes back to what we said earlier, if we go to this individual viewpoint, then we can't come back collectively and resonate around the same values and the same hopes. So I think workplace wellness is going to be a real struggle for, for companies that aren't looking out for their employees and aren't thinking about what can I do to make that person feel special? I have a rule. If you have anybody in your life that makes you feel like a million bucks, hang out with them, spend time with them on a regular basis. If you go to work and you feel that you are so underrated, that you are so underappreciated, you know, your small change, why would you want to go there? And that's something that employers need to think about. How can I make you feel like a million bucks? Right, because the, the tides have changed. It's no longer the employer holds all the cards and the employees know, own nothing. Now, with, with everything that's going on, employers and, you know, people who, who run anything have an accountability and a responsibility to the overall wellness of their population, which is not just physical. You know, it used to be years ago, oh, we're a good company. We provide health insurance. Like, woo, yeah, good for you. You know, now we've come to a point where if people are not valued, if people are not respected, if people are not nurtured and encouraged, then they're just gonna go and you won't have a business left. And I can tell you with my restructuring of my company this year, I literally sat down with a pen and paper and I wrote all my clients' names down that I'm currently working for. And I have, you know, staff and assistants and people, independent contractors that work for me. And I'm thinking, wow, if I if I cut these jobs out, I'm maybe not gonna have enough work for people. You know, all these things going through my head. And then one of my clients that was really horrible called me, lit into me, read me the riot act, sent me a bunch of nasty text, and I sat down with a marker and I went, no, 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 no. And you know what? If that means I have to lay people off or that means, and thankfully I haven't had to, but in January when I went through that strike list, it was anybody who was a pain in my ass who hurt my feelings, who hurt my staff's feelings, anything like that. I only want to work with people that we can work together and make a living. And guess what? 
my company is going three times what it was last year at this point. Myth? No. We got rid of the negative energy. We got rid of the hurt feelings. We staffed in a way that allowed us as an organism, you know, a company is an organism as a whole. It has a head, it has a tail, it has arms, it has all these things, it has organs to do everything. It's no different than a human body. So if we look at our organization, my company, I looked at and go, how do I make this a healthy body? It's a body of people. And I made significant changes this year. And as a result, we're all benefiting. But more importantly, everybody's happy to do their job. They're happy to do their work. Yeah, some work sucks, of course. You know, some days are better than others. But by and large, my company went from being a company that was profit-driven to people-driven. And that was a big change, even though I'm just little peanuts in my company, not very big. I'm not a you know huge company like Staples or Target, but I did see that Target is raging their wages and they're becoming less of a profit company and more of a people company. I'm curious to what you guys think about that. Well, I think, you know, my question would be because there are a lot of people right now considering, okay, when is, when is it time to move on? When is it time to leave? When is it too toxic? Because there are those who think, well, gosh, if I can stick it through a little bit longer, I'll be okay. But I know like for my husband, it's okay. When my physical health (laughs) is not getting any better, when my work-life balance is being threatened, when what is happening at work, I, when I'm bringing it home every day and I can't shift my mood from work mode and, and the hurt and the bitterness that's happening there to healthy home mode, well, then maybe it's time to make a change. But I, I think with what you're saying is, I think that's part of the problem is that we are business driven instead of people driven, and there needs to be a shift to being driven by supporting people and meeting people where they are, because like you said, negative energy, (laughs) that's, it's gonna, it's gonna drown you. But you know, on the positive side, there are some companies and I'd like to acknowledge Clorox who my husband works for. They have monthly mental health meetings. Nice. Talk about, they, they, I mean, very openly and honestly talk about the mental health problems that they've experienced on an individual level and talk about what needs to be done on an organizational level to help people. Because I honestly believe everybody is going at some point in their time, they're going to go through a period where they experience some depression or some anxiety or some ADHD, brain dysregulation. And I think that on a positive note, there are companies that are waking up. I mean, I'm amazed to hear that companies that are offering tuition reimbursement. Yes. That have never, and they've never hired anything but part-time people. And now they're offering tuition reimbursement. Texas Two-Step, a program that the medical community in Texas is doing for any employees of the hospital, They will put them through a two-step program. Step number one is you get your associate's degree in nursing. Nursing is the biggest critical staffing issue that we're facing. And step number two is you get your bachelor's degree in nursing. So there are, you know, I think that there is an awakening and that the, the companies and the leaders that choose to acknowledge that and get ahead of it will be the ones that'll still be here 10 or 15 years from now. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of those things is, is, you know, to tail back to Aaron's um, comment, like, how do you know when it's time to make a change? I think when you listen to your own languaging and what mm -hmm. was happening with me is you guys have known me a long time. I'm about as positive a person as you can get. And I found myself using the word hate. Like I'd hang up my cell phone and I'd look to different Aaron. I'd look to other Aaron or Michael or, you know, even Rick sometimes. And I'd be like, oh, I hate this person or like, oh, you know, and I'm like, I'm not a hate filled person. But when I found myself that kind of rage or that, you know, like for me, using the word hate is about the meanest thing I can do. So if I say I hate something, you know, that that's a big deal for me. I've really hit my limit. But I started listening to myself going, wow, I'm complaining about these same clients over and over. I'm complaining about these jobs. So when it came time for renewal, I'm sorry, too bad, so sad, we're booked. And it was also about taking back my power because I think there is the lure of the dollar that, you know, we can make more and oh boy, I can make more. And, and at what point is enough enough? And I formed my own business, Motherhood Incorporated, to empower women to work from home in the tech fields so that, you know, we could create a digital environment for all people. How far did I get away from my initial vision? <laughs> taking on clients that I slam the phone down and look at two people that I love and care about and going, I hate these people. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I did it because of the money. And I think that's one of the things the pandemic taught me is how much is enough? You know, where does your mental health figure in with your bank book? Mm. You know, and I think you can't even enjoy, you know, you get to the point where you can't even enjoy Yes. the money that you have because you're so exhausted. I have clients that are very wealthy, but at the end of the day, they're so exhausted that, or they're so, they live in the present. They're worrying about the next week and the next week and the next month that they can't go on a vacation. They can't, they, and my, my response is always, well, what about here? What about now? And yeah, I mean, money's a great thing but you can't take it with you, right? Well, in the words of the great philosopher, notorious B.I.G., mo money, <laughs> mo problems, you know? And all joking aside, truly, it's we we have the American dream, right? This is our cultural norm is to work, to get what we want to get. When we get it, we can spend it, we can enjoy it, but to what expense, right? I mean, I even expense is kind of a funny play on words, but over 90% of chronic disease is attributed to stress, 90%. And so if you are working so hard that you're killing yourself, what, what benefit is that? And I think that's what we all have to evaluate because we know how stress has taken a toll on our mental health, how, how anxiety has taken a toll on, on everything that we're doing. The last two years have amplified that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a good time to do a check in and go, okay, is this worth it for me? Is it worth, you know, spending all of my mental health and energy on something that's just going to exhaust me at the end of the day? I think as you know, as spouses, partners, friends, siblings, family members, we need to also be able to check in with the people around us when we see that they're running themselves ragged and, and, and 
let them know, like Sandra, like you were saying, listen to that languaging that, and, and what words are they using? Sometimes you can't even see it for yourself. You know, you caught yourself, but I know for my husband, when it was getting really bad for him, eventually I had to, I was letting, you know, it's his job, his show, didn't want to be overbearing wife, want to have boundaries, blah, blah, blah. But eventually one day I was like, you know what? You're not happy. And I'm really afraid that this is going to start affecting the rest of us. So we need to figure something out. And well, so it's, and ask the question, what behavior are you modeling? You have two mm-hmm, kids. Right. You have an 18 year old. Mm-hmm. What behavior are you modeling exactly. for the 18 year old? Right. Mm-hmm. right. It's huge. Yep. We, and we have to be able to have hard conversations with employers and, you know, work buddies and the people around us who are struggling. We have to be willing to step into those spaces, which is also really scary and not easy to do. Well, and it's a tough one, you know, because so many people do what I call time traveling, you know, they're time traveling and, you know, Lee, you brought it up, Aaron, you brought it up, you know, you've got people who have lots of money and they're worried about what next week and the next week will bring. Hey, dude, you're time traveling. Like you're going into the future to, you know, that's not written yet that we can't predict. Why are you worrying about two weeks from now when you can't even deal with now? And the same thing, the time traveling backwards, those are the whingers, you know, the complainers, the people that go back in time. And it's like, well, I could have, would have, should have, this happened to me, you know, my parents, my ex-husband, blah, 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 blah. That's time traveling to the past and time traveling to the future. And, you know, when people talk about, you know, being mindful and staying in the present, I really didn't understand what that meant. Cognitively, I'm like, okay, stay present. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? What it means and looks like, because because when we time travel to the back, to the past or to the future, we cause stress for ourselves and everybody around us. And so what I had to learn the hard way, and I learned this during COVID, because I didn't know what was going to happen with my company, was don't time travel. Stay present. Staying present means Don't think about the future right now. Don't think about the past. And in the words of the great Lego Ninjago movie that I quote all the time, up with an earache with my kid 10 years ago, and this little Lego figurine bounces on the screen and he says, what can you do today to get to where you want to be? That was a little Ninjago Lego character, said that to me in the middle of the night. I've never forgotten. It's written on my wall. Being present, which reduces our stress greatly, means no time traveling to the future, no time traveling to the back, stay where you are and focus on what can you do today to get you to where you want to be, but today being the key word. And focus on what you can control because what you cannot control is it's out of your realm of experience. Put your focus on what you can control. Aaron, what do you have for stress reduction, being mindful and part of our workplace wellness? We've got no time traveling. We've got stay in with what you can control. Anything else you got? Yeah. You know, I think something that's really been hitting me lately is, is just to be curious about the emotions, the sensations that I'm feeling. If I'm feeling tense, doing a check-in and going, okay, 
where's that tension coming from? What's going on? What do I need more of? What do I need less of? You know, with my clients, a lot of times we make a list of what is nourishing you, what is draining you. And by nourishing, that's not just food, you know, that can be people, that can be environments, that can be your work, that can, maybe your work is draining you, you know, I think sometimes family members can be nourishing and draining, <laughs> but with that, At the same like, time. <laughs> right. But where, where do we want to fill up on what is nourishing to us and where can we minimize what drains us? And it's, it doesn't have to be a perfect balance all the time. Every day is going to, you know, like you were saying, Sandra, what can you do with what you have today? You know, like today is it's for today. I can't worry about what, what I'm going to deal with. What's going to be nourishing me tomorrow. I can only deal with what I have today and I'm doing the best I can with what I know for what today holds. And, and that takes being curious and asking myself questions and doing a check-in. I have to check in on myself constantly. Love that. Well, you guys, I want to thank you on behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center and Aaron Carey of Sparking Wholeness. I want you guys to follow this great wisdom that you found from these ladies today. I know I will. We'll be back again next week with another great episode.